New Photic Realm announcement. Uh, submission windows for upcoming issues. Issue 10, the theme is justice. That's hard-boiled fiction with a supernatural twist. The deadline for that will be April 1st, 2020. Issue 11, the theme is kaiju. Giant monsters terrorizing civilization. Deadline will be October 1st, 2020 for those stories. Issue 12, the theme is lycanthropy, which is, of course, self-explanatory. Um, it can be any type of animorph with a bloody twist. Uh, so I guess that's werewolves and Jesus, giant, I don't know. What do people turn into? Seals? I've just got a little seal on my desk, so I thought of that. I don't know. You have to be more imaginative than I just was. Uh, but the deadline for lycanthropy, January 1st, 2021. Good luck to everyone submitting. this episode is Sebastian Moravchik. He was the lead singer in a band called Heartbreak, still is. I saw them back in like 2009, I thought they were brilliant. I saw them a few times, met him, got photos with him. Um, then just recently he added me on Facebook, I guess because I was a fan of Heartbreak on the Facebook page. And I thought, hey, I know exactly who that is. I wonder what he's up to. Um, and I thought, I know how I can find out. I'll ask him to be on losing the plot, so that's exactly what I did, and he was kind enough to agree. So it's very cool. Got to learn about his latest musical project, SNS Sensation, and uh, what keeps him going creatively. I hope you enjoy the chat. I was so glad to get to talk to him, having known about him for such a long time. If you would like to be on the show, or if you want to tell me something about it, you can always do so using losingtheplotpodcast at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. But that's my intro chat, so here is my conversation with Sebastian Moravchik. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Yourself? Yeah, good. I was out, um, was out filming today. We're making another feature film with my friends. Wow. Um, what, what, what genre? It's a horror, horror. film, yeah. Brilliant. So there's lots of fake blood and uh, heavy dialogue. Awesome. We tried to do a scene that's like... Um, half uninterrupted half an hour but none of us could get our lines right unfortunately so i just had to just oh that's extremely together. difficult to do yeah that's <laughs> it was pretty ambitious harder than theater yeah yeah you yeah. you yourself um are like qualified in filmmaking as well right uh yes i have a background in film yeah yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i'm a big big film buff for many from like many years ago and uh, that's carried on. I mean, yeah, it's it's like it's uh, yeah, I'd say it's as much of a passion as music is really. It's that that kind of level of commitment to it. Mm -hmm. Film, 
uh, and you know nowadays, uh, what, what you call TV or you know shows like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I I I studied film for a while. I worked in, worked in with film crews for um, for a while, and uh, and then I was the main thing that I kind of studied was film. Um, yeah. Uh, so the TV thing, I look at it with a film sort of eye, a cinematographic eye, if you want to mm-hmm. call it that. Yeah. Yeah. This but is cool. You so you've got a whole a full feature done, a horror feature done. Almost done. Yeah. 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 We've got cool. t- two more things to do on I think Tuesday. The film's called Burnt Portraits. So tomorrow, mm-hmm. I'm taking a bunch of canvases. I'm going to write our names on them and then set fire to them, and that's the opening credits. Oh, it's amazing! Yeah, cool. So right, it's yeah, fun. yeah. No more. Uh, yeah, I mean, the 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 more you can avoid the the post production uh, effect, mm-hmm. you know, the organic. It's nice. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I think I've got to get some sound effects and things like that. You um you've been making your own music videos. Yes, um, and uh, I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm getting better at it <laughs> with with each one <laughs> as it goes. Uh, because it's obviously done with this uh, always within this lockdown kind of situation, and uh, and I've got very little time to do them, and so uh, it's it's all uh, a bit rushed, improvised, and uh, and a lot of the time it's just me and the camera in a, in a tripod. Or, so a lot of uh, a lot of limitations, but that's um, it gives it something though. It's 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 there's something nice about it. So you know, the truth is though that it's now now with the last video. Have you been able to see the the video, the last one? That that's really moving in a new direction, which is less. Uh, because I'm a, I'm a very big fan of traditional kind of storytelling. Um, but I'm moving away from it in in the music video side of things because i'm beginning to realize that music videos are a complete different uh, beast from 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 a feature film or, or even a, a short film uh, you know uh, so you're kind of working out what works best for that particular format and uh music videos i mean i, I also actually had conversations with many people music journalists and um, just even you know uh, isn't a sensation kind of fans or friends and uh because you can do like uh uh on instagram you have this um you can ask a question and polls you know it's so good you know every now and again when you do have a question you can ask and you just get an answer you can do that on facebook as well as a regular post mm-hmm. uh, and it's nice you get you get a good sense of uh it just yeah, it changes, changes the way you, you think about things. Because, you know, with my kind of film kind of background, I thought the best kind of music video is going to be the storytelling type, you know? So you structure a story. And the music video I did, and the, the, one, the one I did before, uh, Mirror Radio, is called uh, Your Door. It's, it's like a totally classic, uh, not totally, but, you know, very much classic, very inspired by like the new wave, true four, and that, that kind of uh, kind of storytelling that was drawing a lot from traditional, but 
doing a certain a few things differently than yeah mm. but i'm moving away from that i'm going into a you know music videos that really are not about stories i think uh, you you can do one on that and it will work but it's, it's, it's different what you know they're working for the music it's, it's it's a way of expanding on what the music is mm -hmm. you know story can expand on it but the problem i think with the story is that it takes over when it's a, when there's a story it takes over and it, and it turns into this uh film <laughs> with with your music on it mm -hmm. whereas it should be a film for the music so and, and yeah. it seems like a subtle difference but it's actually massive it changes completely the, the nature of that form mm -hmm. i think that's how uh directors like michelle gondry tricked me into listening to bjork's music because yeah. they're, <laughs> they're <laughs> their yeah. stories were so funny, compelling funny you say that because we were just talking about burning the credits yeah i think he i mean one of the brilliant things about him is the how he does all the tricks on camera it, it has a completely different quality to them yeah different effect yeah yeah totally no i love that i, th I think that um no i'm super inspired by um by the way i didn't mention but this is the podcast it's just like a rambling chat and then i edit it later it's called losing the plot because we can talk about whatever the hell we feel like. So uh, I couldn't explain to you how much up my street that is. That's, <laughs> that sums up my life <laughs> and my mind. Great, this is working for you. But um, be kind, rewind. You know that one, the Michelle Gondry uh, film. Yeah, uh, I ha yeah, I saw. Yeah, that's with the uh, with Gabriel Garcia Bernal, isn't it? The the science but, of sleep that one is, but it's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think I've seen that one. I saw the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I used oh, to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That film is very powerful. I don't really like that film. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of that in your door. Yeah, I can't. I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I more and more people have been say a few people here and there have been saying, I've been talking about the French aspect of what I do, which. I haven't got any kind of French background to me, but you know, I'm from Buenos Aires and it, it's very, very, it's a culture that's quite influenced by Paris in particular. Mm -hmm. And I never made that kind of connection myself. So mm -hmm. I have no, no kind of lineage or, or background. I don't, don't speak very much French or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But yes, I've watched a lot of uh, new wave films, obviously, as you do when you're a film student. And, after that too um you know they've done a lot of great work but yeah that's you know that's one of the fascinating things about making creative work to me uh this has always been like that you you produce a piece you put a lot in it um and you your thinking process was a certain there was a certain way that you got there but then when you start hearing what other people have to say about it, it's a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. It's very different. There's a different take on it. And to me, that's the most fascinating thing, how the thing takes a life of its own and you discover things about the thing that you are doing. Mm -hmm. It's just so rewarding. Like, um, I mean, I, I, it doesn't get old, that, that kind of thing. Do you get that with your films? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that I, what I like, I think, is that people tend to say that my work is funnier than I think it is. Um, ah, amazing. Yeah, because that, I think I think I put a lot of it, it being horror. This one that we made, the last one was sci-fi, but I put a lot of very dark ideas into what I make. Um, so I feel like I'm slipping very dark messages into something that is funny and conventionally structured. 
I, lo- I really love conventional structure. Um, I think especially if you're making like an indie film or like, then you want to show that you know what you're doing story-wise. So go, okay, yeah. we didn't spend any money on this, but like, I know how to structure a story. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think I'm really like, um, maybe like you as well, I feel like, well, of course. I mean, the art is the way that you express yourself, right? And so it's like you're really communicating long form what's going on in your head in a way that you perhaps can't even do in a conversation, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful that people get to see that and what they make of it. Um, it seems to you that like the interaction with the audience is super important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's essential. I mean, it's a... Uh... You know, live as well is very it's extremely important that, that, that you get. I mean, what, what what's happening? You know, the audience makes the gig. You know, you've got your thing going, and you are really taking cues from from the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the audience, and they can be very positive and occasionally not. You know, not not that inspiring. But uh, you know, we we I don't know we've uh, you know and there's another band. I mean, Heartbreak, which we have a record out from a, a while ago. And uh, yeah, live. Uh, I guess after a while, people got got to know what it is that we we do live. Uh, although, the, and they know that there's a considerable degree of you know a higher degree of improvisation than than you find in most bands, which have the whole set sort of rehearsed. Mm-hmm. Um, this, but uh, it, it is the thing that we do. So you you. You start to get a lot more positive responses in the gigs than than we did at the beginning, where we had some gigs that were amazing and some gigs where people were um, rather running away from us rather than <laughs> coming towards us. Yeah, I, I, gigs where the audience was there was an empty floor and full at the bottom of the of the venue, full of people, but nobody wanted to get any closer to us. Yeah, I took that as a compliment of sorts. <laughs> They were, they were watching, they were listening, they just didn't want to come near. <laughs> I saw I saw Heartbreak three times, I think in like 2009. Oh, wow. First time you were supporting the presets, that's how I learned about you. Um, and you were better than the presets that night, so we were like, alright, that's cool. Um, then I went to go see you in Edinburgh, a place called Cabaret Voltaire. Um, and then you were, uh, I think it's a place called Stereo in Glasgow? Do you remember? It was a huge oh, yeah. audience at that time. Yeah. Yes, uh, Glasgow. Yeah, Glasgow was. We had some lovely gigs in Glasgow. I think that that, that is. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, underground somewhere. You gotta go, go, and it's a massive venue, but it's uh, kind of hidden. It's just like a tiny yeah. little cafe upstairs or something. Yeah. yeah. Glasgow is amazing for music. I was so I was, at the time I thought, wow. I mean, you come to Glasgow and you hear, DJs are playing something different, and you know basically better that there's great music uh, taste in, in Glasgow I find mm-hmm. very I, I, I thought there was a difference between Glasgow and most other places which was quite I wasn't expecting that I think why why would that happen you know we're still going and playing gigs in front of people but the DJs were particularly it's a DJ culture that I think yes yes for sure because we had uh, optimal don't know if you mm. know that i mean they were huge they were very like musically aware people i think yeah like you say the dj scene and so on um 
yeah, they really knew their stuff. Like they yeah. they understood what was great new music now, and um, it's just like a cool like it's even cooler now. I think Glasgow like it keeps getting right. better. I really like it. Um, I'm from Glasgow, but I now live in Norway. But yeah, you're in Norway right now. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> Where about to Norway? It's at the. Uh... It's uh, Stavanger. It's in the okay. south. Nobody's heard we had of it. a gig in Norway. I can't remember. It wasn't. I can't remember what city it was. Uh, Ber- Bergen. 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 Bergen's pretty big, yeah. Yeah, I think we. That's where we played. Anyway, my memory is uh, kind of uh, slipping away. It, it just doesn't want. It doesn't. It's become really selective. It doesn't want to know anymore. Uh, I mean, it doesn't want to. I don't know what's going on, but it, it just feels like uh, it's it's kind of uh, screwing things up on purpose. Uh, I think it's the kind of my predisposition to to. to I was um, one of the 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 plays that has had. I mean, I'm a big uh, Samuel Beckett fan, and uh, the play Crab's Last ta- uh, Tape. Mm-hmm. And many other, you know, the novels as well. Malone dies and so on. Uh, there's a, there's always the sense that someone is trying to piece uh, put you know, the pieces back together, the life and the memories, and it doesn't really fit together. Mm-hmm. And I I I kind I quite like that um, situation. I find that quite uh, instinctually kind of attractive because it frees you up from from history. And freedom is kind of the, the the number one value for me in music. Is and what music can do is liberate people. Mostly it doesn't, but it's it's got the power to do it. And I'm seeking uh, to open portals of freedoms with, with with the music and the the images that go with it. And yet, um, I think that your music is very concerned with. The history of the genres that it takes from. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a 100% contradiction there. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's, it's always escaping. You're always running away from wherever you are, I think. And I think that's a good, it's generally a good, it works for me, I think. It works as a, as a, as a creative sort of impulse. And, and you always want to do, to do more because you're always running away. There's always, if you're running away from somewhere, or you're running away from something. You, there's a compulsion to do whatever it is that you're doing next. Whereas if you're just interested because you are, um, you know, clever or intelligent, there isn't the need to produce. And and I think the the work that you want to be trying to produce has to be necessary. Uh, it has to be, and you have to need to make it, not just want to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, ideally, you know, you're looking for that moment where you strike a musical situation, that, that sound, that music, basically, that 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 becomes necessary to you in your runaway sort of. Uh, so yes, we're draw- I'm drawing from a lot of styles, but when I try to figure out what it is that I do. You know, and I use the word synth pop and things like that, but it really doesn't, I don't really think it applies. Although 
it fits within that definition. It's pop songs with synthesizers, so yeah. But when you try to to find your that within a certain scene, you struggle. And um, every every I have been asking people about this. You know what? What I get usually is like, no, it's just kind of your 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 approach to it. And I think what what it has to do is that uh, what was happening is that you. You're drawing from all this music history, as you say, but a lot of the, a lot of that history is um, dance oriented and instrumental. Most of the music that inspires me is instrumental, but I write folk songs with vocals on them, you know, mm. and the vocal is central to to the song. So, I've been trying to figure it out, work it out, half not wanting to actually achieve that, but. Partly, I think, I mean, I, that, that there's a background on the, the certain influence of the singer from the, from the kind of singer-songwriter tradition, you know, which you would never relate to what I do, but it actually is very much there for me, and it's extremely important. I think it brings a, a lot of uh, complexity to what I do on depth, even though you could never trace it back to any of that folk kind of sound in any way, but mm -hmm. it's there to me. But it's the the musical background of it is that um, dance, if you want to call it that, instrumental sort of music, techno, of, of course, disco, which had the vocals in them, but it was really meant for the dance floor, whether it was American disco or Italo or European disco. Mm -hmm. um, it's all an influence, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a songwriter, you know, that's... That's how I see myself. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just, I think it's because I'm always interested in whether or not people consider what they do a calling. Um, and of course, you're interested in all different types of art. And I think also what you're alluding to is what we all feel, which is that on one hand, you're influenced by all this great stuff that you never seem to replicate because whatever you do is your own thing. Um, yes. But I was wondering just, I don't know whether you thought you were always going to be a songwriter rather than making films, even though you love films, or being a writer, even though you love Beckett plays? What what, drive, what drove you to make music specifically? You know, it's it's a funny thing, because uh, I couldn't possibly define myself that way, but I think it's, it's, I, I'm, I think it's the first time in my whole life that I've said to anyone, I'm a songwriter, um, just now. Mm -hmm. um, because it feels like I am not this or that, um, but I really am not. Uh, but I'd say the closest would be a songwriter, but it's not like I want, I was going to be that or I'm naturally this or that. I'm mm -hmm. just kind of drifting and running away from things, um, uh, running away from my home country, for example, which you, you might understand as well, mm. uh, and running away from 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 wherever I am. And songs are just a conduit for that. And thinking is a conduit for that. And philosophy can have an impact on that. But I would never consider myself someone, a person of philosophy, even though I read philosophy and I, I think uh, a lot. And I write in my writing, which is instinctual, there's an element of, uh, of the philosophical. And there's an influence of that French philosophy from the 60s and the 70s, the post-structuralist stuff, 
slash postmodernist kind of mm -hmm. thinking. But really, that's what I'm working out at the minute is that it is about freedom, you know, in the end. All of those things are conduits for freedom. Freedom that you're chasing, that you're pursuing, that you know almost for certain you will never find. Perhaps you'll find some sort of sense of freedom, but not really. Life is a prison, you know, we're, we're, we're imprisoned. Life is a, it's a, it's a, it's a set of many different prisons and you're, you're trapped in many, many different ways and many different situations. So, um, yeah, running away or just like, you're always planning an escape, a very, very difficult escape from a prison that only leads to another prison. Mm. And you're constantly escaping from prison to prison, digging through the kind of underground uh, corridors that you, uh, Mm -hmm. Very hard work on, very hard for many years, just digging with your hands, losing your your knees, your your, your nails. Sorry. Um, and you talked about trying to find music that you need to make. Have you found that with SNS Sensation? Is that yes, what you're doing I am finding it more and more. I mean, um, yeah, I. Uh, more and more and it's con it's a constant process of finding new things and i don't really know i don't really know what's gonna uh, what's gonna happen with all this but um um for example something that it's happening more and more is that uh, i i'm thinking that uh, the traditional way of thinking about strong structure is is kind of obsolete now and uh, everything has changed so much because of you know the internet streaming and uh, the new structure of the industry. And I think uh, the, this uh, song um, it has a certain repetition in, within it. The repetition is becoming less and less necessary because you just, if you want to hear that part, you hear, you play the song again. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I really genuinely think mm, surely we have to see some change because music is so fucking boring you know mm. uh, it's, it's the, the, the universe technology uh, you know the world is asking us to 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 go to go towards a new music and it doesn't involve um, contrived sort of manipulation it, it involves a truthful search for for freedom for the next escape route and I think everyone is trapped and everyone is too comfortable in the prison cell, you know? Everyone is too comfortable in jail, hmm. I think. There's a, a very, very few people that you see really trying to pull out uh, from, 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 from the heart, you know? Um, um, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think in many ways, music was, was looking for escape, for an escape, a lot more before in the past, and perhaps that's partly why we're kind of harking back to those styles and, and bringing them to here. And, but, but we're doing something different because we don't structure, we don't want to be thinking of the same structures in the same ways. We're just mm -hmm. using that, those vital elements, that um, desire for escape, uh, and then 
we try to escape the the, the that that uh, mechanism itself. Mm-hmm. Is this metaphor that you've always been thinking about, or do you think that uh, lockdown has influenced your thinking on that more so? Because I know you've been reflecting on the lockdown in your music. Yeah, um, it was very very strange how that whole thing happened. It happened very naturally. Just, you know, I mean, I suppose part. Partly the reason why it happened is because I was uh, scared out of my mind, um, and uh, I didn't really enjoy living in the UK in January and February of, of uh, 2020. It was a very, very, very scary, terrifying uh, thing uh, because I could see how slow everything the response was going to be. I could see beforehand how how poor the response was going to be, and it was, but I, I didn't know what, how it could affect uh, me. And I think, you know, it did, it, I think the results in, in the UK have been really, really bad. Um, but, uh, you know, because I, I was talking to people in other parts of the world, particularly the, the producer that remixed this last uh, song, Mirror Radio, he lives in China, he's lived in China for 10 years. And in China, they they are more experienced with these kinds of uh, viruses, and uh, they responded a lot more effectively to begin with. They do have a different political system, and so on, but uh, they did respond, you know, in terms of the virus specifically, a lot better than we did. And I was taking the cues from him, and he knew what he had to say in order to try to try to protect myself and try to protect who I knew, you know, and Facebook and try and spread the word. Uh, anyway, I was really scared. It's a point, uh, but I wasn't really. Although a lot of the stuff I was writing is in the darker sort of sort of uh, area of things, I still considered as a sensation a disco pop uh, project, uh, and um, I, I was writing a lot of disco kind of based pop stuff uh, that I wanted to uh, release and. The pandemic started, and I just had to. Those songs are waiting now. You know, uh, I don't. I don't know when they will fit uh, the 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 current kind of situation. But I had to write that trilogy of songs on on, on lockdown because it was so. But it was also a discovery. You know, it, it wasn't just fear. The fear itself somehow uh, enabled me to uh, look at fear in the eye, which is not something that I'm used to doing. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not a brave person, uh, although some people would disagree. But I, I, it's not like I'm seeking the face of death and trying to look at it in the face. But but that's kind of what I I ended up doing as a reaction to this extreme fear. Um, to the panic, it was a very counter kind of intuitive uh, mechanism that you, you, when you're scared, you you meant to kind of pull away from whatever the, the, the scary situation is. And instead, because of the nature of lockdown and, and because we didn't, there wasn't really any alternative. I actually went further in as, a, as an artist, and I was really looking at the at the core of uh, of the fear, which is. So I, I was writing songs about what was going on right there and then. This trilogy is a little bit like that. There's very little hindsight. And generally songs, you know, the way you understand songs is there's a hindsight. Any storytelling 
you need a bit of hindsight to be able to analyze what's going on. You don't really write about what's happening right there and then what's close to the bone on the, on the, on the moment that you're writing because you haven't got that perspective and so on. But it worked really well in this case. And the thing that the way that it worked is that it was a, it was a point where you were, we were having to really face, look at death in the, in the, in the, in the face and, uh, and, and wonder, okay, so what does this mean in the larger scheme, scheme of things? It means that if you look at death, you can actually look at life in a different way and that uh, uh, really facing death uh, enables you to understand more of life. So I realized that within this lockdown thing, there wasn't just the fear of getting the virus or being locked down or whatever. There was a resonance with the larger kind of existential condition of all of us, where we all kind of are always locked down, you know, there's many prisons that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, so this particular prison of lockdown, this prison of fear, uncertainty, and, and uh, yeah, just a panic of, of lack of, uh, in the face of the kind of lack of action from leadership, from, from the government, um, um, resonated with all these other prisons, with all this, yeah, all this other. I mean, uh, you realize life is locked down. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're locked down in a flash prison. <laughs> well, I thought that was interesting. I, I mean, I, I think that's a, 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 the first thing, that, the first time that I do something like that, that I actually decide to write about the moment and I decide to actually look at death in the face. Because my music is generally more uh, with heartbreak, you know, it's a lot more uh, nostalgic and melancholic. Um, uh, it isn't really about, uh, and when, when any kind of horror references is for the fun of it. it. And in the end, heartbreak is a melancholic sort of uh, power pop thing. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas um, SM Sensation is, is looking in, into the dark a bit more, I think. I think with heartbreak, there was more of like a tongue in cheek feel to it as well. Maybe with the music and also your performance as well. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. The sensation is a bit less like like that. Um, it's a, it's there, but it's a lot subtler. It's a lot more subtle and more um, uh, less less in your face. I think uh, the humor is there if you look for it, but it's a hell of a lot less immediate. Mm -hmm. I think. Um, and. <laughs> uh, I really have no clue how I'm going to perform with this sensation. I mean, I, I, you know, we, we, I had a few gigs in the past, you know, this sensation kind of started and then it never kind of carried on. And now I kind of started it again, just because I wanted to, so I wanted to, and, uh, um, those gigs were worked as they were, but you know, it was a few gigs and you, you need a few gigs until I, until kind of, maybe, maybe you need a few gigs until you realize what it is that you're doing. With Heartbreak, it was, it's a very unique, what happened with Heartbreak is I don't, I can't actually explain. I, there's no um, logical way of explaining what happened with Heartbreak. Um, it is a magical thing. This thing, we met with Ali and uh, we didn't do anything for years and then we started making these songs. 
and then we we performed and the first from the first gig that we performed we performed like we performed last time we performed I mean, it was it was always like that and there was no rehearsal there was no discussion on what it is that we're doing we just went and started playing and started singing and the performance was what it was it was we we had never and I, we, we never actually talked about it with ali we don't really talk about performance we, we talk about music <laughs> we don't talk about heartbreak a lot basically <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. and then there was like a hiatus and you came back but you're moving on no that's uh, it, it's it's happening. We are, we're writing new songs with Ali, and we 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 still have the band. We played a couple of gigs, and but there's a plan to 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 make a, an album and, and and go for it. It's just taking a, an extraordinary amount of time. Hmm. But the, the you know uh, we have written songs that are just not finished, but but they're there and they're they're brilliant. So I'm I'm really excited and looking forward to them. They're very different, I think, from that first album. You know, and a lot of time has gone by. Mm-hmm. But I, I love the songs. You know, uh, so and again, it's, it's it's such a different workflow with Ali than it is with SMS Sensation by myself. Completely different. The hit rate is so ridiculous with Ali. We we almost every song that we write ends up. You know, we end up using. Not not every single one of them. Just like, but then there must be like ten percent, fifteen percent, perhaps tops that we don't use. Whereas generally you are using ten or twenty percent of, of, of the work that you produce. Mm-hmm. It's the other way around. It's uh, it's it's the kind of thing that I can't really explain. We we were friends and then we studied together, and then we have a band and then we didn't and now we do again. And uh, cool, got it's it. Such mess. It's such a mess. <laughs> such a mess basically why i can I, this i can explain to you yeah. it's a complete mess got it i understand mess. mess um it might be, it might be why the, the the stuff is so good because it's it's just a mess and it's out of everyone's control it's not because of ali that the, the heartbreak is so good and it's definitely not because of me yeah everything that happened and, and the music that came out of that i don't know what it is or where it came from you know I know where SNS sensation comes from, and mm-hmm. Ali knows where Ali's stuff comes from, and his session stuff, so brilliant. But he understands that process, but I don't think we understand heartbreak. Mm. You know, it's interesting. Um, now, now that I'm filmmaking, it's the first time that I've like made art with other people, because I was writing for a very long time first. And You're an artist? I was writing. Before, I'm writing, writing. Okay. Writing before I started filmmaking. Yeah, still going. Um, but now I'm also making films, and yeah, I think that now that now that I'm working with other people, it's kind of it's great and it's scary as well, right? Because now the stuff that you're making, if you're really enjoying it, it's also kind of dependent on you communicating with another person effectively, um, yeah. and like maintaining a relationship with them, which is like such an uncertain thing. Yes, and it's kind of scary. Um, especially if you like it a lot, what you're making. Um, yeah. So it's totally new to me. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the skill, a screenwriter skill is completely different from a filmmaker skill. Mm. I mean, it's yeah. not in the same 
universe, the, the filmmaker, the, the director, the producer, they are masters of uh, dealing with people and, uh, and you know, compromising, negotiating and getting as close to what they want as possible mm -hmm. and improvising, improvising, they're improvising. A screenwriter doesn't improvise. Yeah. I think that like, I want to know what your opinion on it is because like for, now that I've started filmmaking and then going back to writing, I can write a lot faster now because I'm like, I know that if I have to come up with an answer that day, because it needs to get done that day, then I will. Um, and yeah. with writing, there's less of a pressure on a deadline, especially if you're just writing something for your own satisfaction and so on. Um, but yeah. what kind of, what have you noticed in like when you work with Ali and you're doing heartbreak compared to when you're doing SNS sensation, like what's the, what's the work rate and how does it feel when you're making the work? That's such a good question, man. Uh, I, um, I, I want to try not to talk too much about it because I could talk forever about that. But, um, I just said to you how different, uh, I told you how different the, the, the workflow is between heartbreak and SNS sensation, but the the effect that uh, working in heartbreak has had on my as in a sensation writing can't be overstated it's, mm. uh, it's changed <clears throat> it's changed everything about the way i work uh the way i write the way i write with machines and and um as you said the the ability to solve problems um because also apart from all the songs that we wrote with, with Ali, we did loads of uh remix work uh, at the time, you know, lots, mm -hmm. lots of, uh, some of it fairly high profile stuff, but, um, so there was a lot of work done and I, and I learned so much from, 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 from just getting all that work done and, and work collaborating and, and, and particularly, yeah, from, from, uh, You know, Scorsese, uh, I think, said once that uh, the job of a director is to solve problems. People come to you with problems and you have to find a solution. Mm. That's the job. Mm. <laughs> it's not this glamorous world of, of creation and, and, and inspiration. It's, it's literally solving shitloads of issues. It's really annoying, yeah. And the thing is, like, <laughs> I think that like when I'm basically in the club, I try and get people to do different roles. And like when you're, um, when I'm not directing, if I have a problem, like, you know, there's not enough light on his face, I'll say, there's not enough light on his face. So let's take this light and put it over there and turn up the volume. Like, I'll come up with the problem and a solution. But when you're just directing, people are like, what What if my hat's on wrong? What What if my hair was different a long time? Where was my hair last time? Is that, and it's like, can you, like, they just say the problem at you with no options of like how to solve it. So, yes. I don't know. It's. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, um, no, it's not for everyone. It's not for everyone. Go for it. I think Hitchcock uh, used to say that uh, the good part of making films uh, stopped when you started making the film. So the pre-production was a joy for for him, mm -hmm. and the great joy of filmmaking was pre-production. Mm -hmm. The rest of the filmmaking process was a very painful uh, process of solving problems. Mm -hmm. What's what? How is it comparable to making music? What are the joyous and the 
I think I think the point that I was making was that uh, it's that ability to just solve the problem on the spot, you know. Yeah. And not to not to get too hung up on 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 on, on issues. Just just get it done, get it flowing. Don't. It's a lot of um, this has turned. I, I've turned a lot of important corners quite recently on, on this, but um, um, it's it's about um, it, it affects the mentality, right? So. Uh, Getting it done sounds like a, a, a too pragmatic, but, but actually getting it done, there's a lot of um, value to getting it done on the creative side of things. Uh, just, just get it done. Just, just do it. Oh, that's, that bothers you a bit, but just let it go. You know, mm -hmm. go on. You know, um, it's um, it's flow. That's what it is. Flow. You need to flow, you know, and uh, anything that that tampers with the, with the flow, that's no good. Whether it's perfectionism or or um, or any sort of uh, idea of the way things should be. Uh, and I have really uh, arrived at a position uh, a while ago where uh, I have realized that the most important aspect of a creative work is uh, to experience joy as you're doing it. It's a very counter-intuitive uh, mentality because you were in a society where you know, you're paid to do hard work and that hard work is the thing that will create quality mm. in, in the eyes of a capitalist sort of a, a, production sort of ideology but uh, that doesn't work like that with with, with art I think uh, I, I, I personally think that you are you are, you produce your best work when you're constantly enjoying what you're doing mm -hmm. uh, or as much as possible at least and constantly flowing with it and the best work that you can produce is the easiest work to produce mm -hmm. um I'm wondering what you like. I, I've been thinking of what else you could call perfectionism because it sounds like a good thing, and I've never seen it produce anything good. Really, it stops people from doing anything. <laughs> like they can't get a sentence out. It's yes. surreal. What 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 else would might you call it? Like self sabotage or something? <laughs> people should not be allowed to use the word pe perfect in association with that. I think. <laughs> but it, it it's just that it resonates. I mean, it's, it's such a long line that it really, when you, when you learn not to be a perfectionist and to be able to produce creative work and be relatively prolific and so on, I think it's when you learn to live. Uh, it's, a, it's a big part of learning how to live because the reason why you are a perfectionist is because you, you haven't accepted life. You haven't accepted uh, the imperfection, your imperfections and so on. Mm. Uh, your weaknesses and uh, you haven't accepted that, that that this is the way life is. Mm -hmm. You're looking for a different thing that isn't life. You're not really looking at the way at the way it is. I think that's that's what 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 the root of perfectionism is. Is uh, you not really not ready yet to live your life. Mm. Um. So what comes next for SNS Sensation? You're releasing new music every few weeks, it seems like. Yes, I want to try and do this now. I mean, I, I, that was the, 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 the goal 
initially, but I've run into some issues with, uh, yeah, I'm working things out in my head in terms of how, how it works. But now I have come to the conclusion that the most important thing for me is to be releasing more often every six to eight weeks or so, um, and to keep a constant sort of flow. Flow is, you, you're going to hear me talk about flow a lot. Uh, <laughs> talk to me. Uh, but, um, you know, and that means that the priorities in keeping that music out there, uh, coming out, uh, and that if, if that involves uh, not having a, a music video for it, a particular single, then so be it. I'd rather have the, the song out than spend nine months in finishing video and other sort of campaign assets and so on. Uh, not because there's anything wrong with that, that side of work. I really love music, making music videos. And uh, as you can probably tell, it's very much a part of, of my artistic uh, statement. You know, it's, 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 it's not a promotional tool. Mm -hmm. You know, it, uh, it's, it's part of the art. But I think, uh, I think it, it is quite possible that I'll be able to produce some sort of video work for it in six to eight weeks. Uh, and uh, but again, if it isn't, uh, then I'm happy with the music coming out. One of the I had to make some difficult choices because uh, because of all this joy that we're talking about, the flow and so on, the songs come out quite different to each other, and they reveal many different aspects of of, of a person. So instead of being genre music, I think it's human music. It's music about being a human being. Yeah. You know? Uh, and um, and I don't think that's so convenient, but that's the way I'm doing things at the moment. I don't really know how people stick to a genre so tightly, you know. Uh, I think it's it's great if you can do that, but um, I, uh, I I I we are complex. People are complex, you know. We we are we have different moments where we feel different things, and. Um, the persona, you know, sometimes can be a bit reductive, and I don't know if I can do that. To be honest, I don't even know if I can be bothered to do it, even if I, if I had, if I decided to, to that that's the right thing to do. So if you can keep coming, the songs coming out uh, as a constant sort of flow, then people can both they have enough time to value the song, to listen to it several times, you know, and to value the song for what it is, because each song to me is precious. Um, but also they get a sense of the different energies and ideas that you bring to, to each song. Mm. Um, and eventually the picture, I'm hoping, <laughs> the picture will become whole somehow. Um, mm. But another great thing about releasing every six to eight weeks is that you really are releasing music about the moment. This is another thing I learned from the lockdown trilogy. Uh, you, you have the opportunity now with, with digital releases, you know, and you can do very small runs. I've got a run of cassettes for Mirror Radio, which uh, I haven't actually posted about because I haven't had the time, but, uh, uh, you know, you can do small cassette. I love cassette. I absolutely adore cassettes. And my, I think probably my favorite format. I love vinyl very much, but I just, there's something about the cassette, the dreamy quality of the, of the way it sounds that, that really takes you to a other space, you know, music, lo-fi, I suppose, uh, element. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm saying 
you know, it's it's so accessible for us to just release every few weeks and uh, to really document the now a bit more. If you have an album, you work on the album all year, and that's that's the picture of what life was a year ago. And I don't think that fits anymore with the way history is moving anyway, you know, because mm. <laughs> things are happening so fast. Everything's changed, you know. And people, it's not just that people haven't got the, the time, because, you know, I think bands are communities you know if you have a project you do it right then you're giving people the chance to be in a community to feel part of something uh, that, that that means something to them so when when people are engaged with your project in a way that that means uh something to them into their lives you know and you're giving them the ability to to be part of a of a group of people that are like minded and they feel that they're not completely alone at least mm. in the world, uh, then um, they they will have a lot of time to listen to three albums, you know, or listen to an album repeatedly. But that's not, yeah, uh, that's the good thing about being able to release so every every few weeks is that you get that different perspective on. On your own sort of flow, you also make a statement, you know, in an album. I don't know. I I I have a problem at the minute, which is that I'm completely against albums. <laughs> I've gone all the, the whole other way. I just I don't see the point of an album, and sometimes I get a little bit uh, angry about the album, even <laughs> because I think it's it's entitlement, you know, it's this inability from the artist to connect. With reality and with with the audience as well, you know. I might be completely wrong, but um, uh, it's just what, what I feel at the moment. I I feel obviously I eventually I would like to release an album, I suppose, but at the moment I don't feel like it at all. I feel like this 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 precious three minutes that I'm giving you, I put my heart and soul on them. I want you to give it that time, you know. I want you I want to connect. I want you to connect with it. Mm -hmm. I told you this idea of losing the plot was uh, very, very befitting, and uh, I think I'm. Uh, I think you're, you're, that. yeah, you're a valued guest for sure. It's all good. Um, no, it's awesome. Like, um, no, I'm glad. I, it's a lot to think about, and and I appreciate it because I don't know much about making music. Um, I've been doing this podcast a while, and I haven't actually booked any new guests in a while um i just kind of if somebody if i'm interested to talk to somebody then i talk to them uh so i hadn't had anyone planned and then i saw that you had added me on facebook and i was like i know exactly who that is like they were my favorite band like i went to go see them on my 20th birthday i know what i'll do i'll send them the picture and then you responded and i was like oh that's so cool like so he's actually responding to stuff do you know i wonder what he's up to now hey i can find that out i have a podcast if i call him up he'll tell me one of our uh, super fans of, of Heartbreak uh, wrote once wrote a big review of a of a gig we did recently, and and he was just like having a massive go at us. How could we be so selfish to 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 have broken the band up uh, at the time? What about the fans? And I think he has a point. You know, uh, what I'm trying to say is that okay, it happened, but um, yeah, I I value fans a lot more, I think, than 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 is usually thought of. Fans are. Uh, I I respect fans. I think it's cool that they they can become involved with 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 music 
mm-hmm. that isn't theirs. You know, uh, you know, you as an artist, you tend to be a little bit uh, self-centered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's uh, fans are real. Fans, the most real thing about the music industry by a mile is is the, is the fans. Mm-hmm. The only people that are there for no interest other than the love of the experience. Mm-hmm. Well, they're the most noble people on the on the whole game. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's all about that connection. I try to always respond to all the... And any fan, I try to respond because I, I think they're the most important people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can see I've, I've got my questions here and I started with the SNS sensation questions and everything because I know that, like, I know as somebody who writes stuff that the most important thing that you're writing is the thing that you're writing in the moment. It's not what you wrote last year or anything. Um, I respect that. Um, I don't expect you to... I don't know. I mean, it's your band. You can do what you want with it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm not bothered. <laughs> um, yeah. I was just curious. I'm just curious about how th- how things progress, what people are doing in life, and um, what they're interested in. Just people, you know. Um, I think that's always what my podcast is interested in. It's just like, what's it like to be them? I guess. What are they thinking about? Yeah. I, what I can tell you, what I can guarantee, is that. We were intense back then when we were heartbreak, mm-hmm. but in, in perhaps a, a, a different way, we are, I am, uh, my process is twice as intense as, as it was back then. Uh, and, and, uh, and that the search for freedom continues, uh, perhaps more intensely than, than it ever has done before, because the, the prisons have become more evident with time there's like an urgency to it yes there mm-hmm. was an urgency at the, at the time but uh um a lot of that energy was coming from our own um, um the neurosis within the band we were a very neurotic band uh, we we realized the level of the music that we were making we realized that this was something else mm-hmm. that this was something that we couldn't do on our own, that this was stemming from a weird chemical reaction between the two of us. And it, 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 it was a very difficult thing to manage from an ego perspective, you know? We're a lot better at it nowadays. But uh, when you realize that the best music that you can make, you can only make with someone else, <laughs> it's, uh, you know, yeah. it's, 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 it's music asking you, giving you a very brilliant lesson on mm-hmm. the best music comes out of no ego i think it was uh mike matt mike from the underground resistance that used to say that uh, you know you know you gotta forget the ego and focus on the music mm-hmm. and you manage to do that is, is that's the best music you can ever produce and and uh, but it's a difficult lesson to learn and sometimes it involves a great degree of pain yeah, it's I mean, there's like, death, yeah, but it's transcending the ego, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I know exactly the type of stuff you're talking to. I mean, I, like, I've talked to so many writers and so many other, some people have been in films and stuff. Um, but I mean, everyone experiences the same thing, like, especially when it comes to whatever you're making. I always find that whatever I'm making can only be made at the time. Sometimes I read something I wrote five years ago and I'm like, I forgot I felt that way. And I could not articulate yeah. that now. Um, I'm glad I wrote that at the time couldn't do it now you know um there's whatever you make gets locked in a time and place as well um 
And when that comes with great success, which it never has for me, um, you know, it's like, I can imagine that it's really scary because it's like, you know, you want, um, you want to take off and you want the world to look at you. But when they do, you're like, oh my God, how long are they going to do it for? You know, that's what you're talking about. Maybe the series of prisons. It's like, you just reframe it as something new to worry about perhaps, or I would, you know, (laughs) I'll be honest with you. It wasn't easy being heartbreaking in the industry at the time, you know, um, it, it, it really was, you know, when you have an idea, you say, okay, I can identify these constraints, these prisons, and I'm going to break out, right? I'm, on, I'm going to go ahead and break out. It's just an idea. You don't really think that it's serious, <laughs> you know? You're just trying it out. And then the whole thing happens, and there's some success, and a lot of touring and you're supporting big bands with and that's you you see the system and the system doesn't love uh you know uh people that are trying to break out <laughs> or undermine it you know um it's not easy to do that kind of thing and 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 it shouldn't be easy and you should never think that it's easy but perhaps you know one something I realized it was is that it is a lot harder than I, than I realized. You think that is because it's music; it's a much freer, freer uh, environment. But the market, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a force of of uh, a regulating force, uh, a force that constrains rather than than liberates. Mm. Innovation is always outside oh yeah for sure i mean like you you, if you did look at like um other people i mean like for example there was a story i had in an anthology and i gave it to my sister and she read the first story in it uh, that was by another writer and she was like this is this is brilliant i had nightmares about it like i couldn't stop thinking about it i said yeah he delivers amazon packages she was like what how is that possible like how is it possible that somebody with disability and it's like Maybe it's what you're saying. Maybe it's the fact that that's what he does is why he's so good exactly. at writing. Exactly. Yeah. Kafka. I mean, so many Kafka. Mm. Proust was, I think, bedridden for most of his writing life, wasn't he? Didn't do yeah, anything man. until he was like 40. Something. Yeah. Hadn't made anything. Um, I tell you, I think Bukowski, I mean, I'm not saying that Bukowski is at that level, but he was very successful at what he did and and he was a, a postman for like 15 years or something. Mm. Uh, all I'm saying is that, you know, yeah, absolutely. Man. You know, mm-hmm. look, the most talented musicians that I know in the world, I know and some of them I know personally or some, or some of them I know of them. None of them are making a, a, a very handsome living of music or even living at all. Mm-hmm. They all have a, a job. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know also if you saw this... Uh... This is such a tangent now. I've asked all my questions, so I'm just having a chat now. Um, I don't know if you saw or heard about this Britney Spears documentary. I really want to watch it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember where I found it online, but that, like, they talked about how she became an overnight success at how young she was, and then she started being interviewed, and I just got this, like, panicky feeling of, like, imagining myself there, some overnight success at that age. Like, that's, I wouldn't, that's terrifying. I wouldn't want that at all. And you look at what it's done to like her life or what it does to people. I mean, the like other documentaries I've seen, like the Amy Winehouse one or Whitney Houston or so on, like it, 
enormous success is not like enviable anyway, you know? Oh god no. Hmm. I mean the most enviable thing I think it's the uh, it's it's which might not even exist, is the ability to look at the moment, to really be able to, to live in the moment, you know, mm. to be in the moment. The whole thing with, uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not very good at meditation. I, I do it when I can, and I, I love it whenever, whenever I can manage it, but um, mm. I've not been able to go, I haven't got a mantra or anything like that, you know. Mm. Um, but um, I don't know if people can really live in the moment. I know it helps to try, mm -hmm. But I think uh, the ability to, or at least the predisposition to embrace the wonder of, of the everyday, of the every moment, or, or some moments at least, uh, that's the greatest skill. Mm -hmm. And that's going to produce, and, and that involves also, you know, the, enjoying the process of generating this creative work and, and seeing it uh, finished when you finish it, or mm -hmm. abandon it, whatever, whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's that's the greatest skill, you know. The the greatest uh, wisdom has a, has nothing to do with money or or, or success or power. Mm. It's not a power thing, really. All that stuff is is really uh, it's never satisfactory. That's what people want more and more of. That I don't know. Maybe when you get to live in the moment, then you want more. I, I have no idea because I never. I don't think you you can, to be honest. But th that that. It's the same thing as uh, fighting for freedom, you know, running away from things and looking for freedom and striving for freedom. Uh, that living in the moment is, is also another impossible task. I have become quite obsessed with the impossible. I think the impossible is one of the greatest philosophical concepts that I could uh, uh, think of, or even though I haven't read about it anywhere. I am... Thinking that the impossible is my own sort of uh, concept, but obviously I haven't got enough academic background to say whether this is uh, the case or not. But uh, at any rate, I don't care. I, I I think that to me, I'm I'm fascinated by the impossible. The impossible is the most wonderful thing in life, and 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 one of the great one of the great lessons in life is to be able to embrace the impossible and make the impossible part of your everyday life and be able to uh, love, to love the impossible. Can you love the impossible? Can you love the impossible? That should be the question, not how do I make it in this business? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. How do I love the impossible? Can I love the impossible? It's not easy to love the impossible. When you say that, do you mean, sounds like you mean just like the, the constraints of being alive uh, yeah the the yeah the the the, uh, the impossible um yeah i suppose it is related to desire i guess i haven't fully worked it out how to articulate it but i guess desire is part of it can you desire the impossible with full knowledge that it is impossible and love that thing that that uh normally would frustrate you. Hmm. Do you know uh, the myth of Sisyphus? Yes. The Camus and book. Obsessed, uh, there's a song that, that's coming out at some point. Uh, it's called In the End, but uh, I have it written, but I haven't decided when to release it. Hmm. And it, it's about uh, 
in the end, the, ro the rock rolls down the slope. Uh, no god can make it stop. I can't remember the rest of the... But it's, 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 yeah, I talk about Sisyphus, yeah. Mm. Sisyphus is everything. Man. Sisyphus. Can you love the rock? Can you love the, you know... But you know the book by Albert Camus? Yeah, it's... Uh, which, which one is one? That, that it's one? called the, uh, the Myth of Sisyphus. Ah, uh, The Myth of Sisyphus. Yeah. See, I know. I haven't, I haven't read it, but I know about the myth, yeah. Uh, okay. I need to read the book. Yeah. So, it, it might be a good starting point for for the for what you're talking about. I don't know, but no, it's a good one. He's a big one for me. Like him a lot. Like Beckett. Do you know? Um, do you know Sarah Kane, the playwright? No. Okay, I'm not going to recommend her because her stuff is incredibly violent and horrible. But um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think she's really like um, influenced by Beckett. Or she really was. And I would definitely read her, yes. Big British playwright in the early 90s. Um, just, oh, it's just incredible. She's just one of my favourites. And I think I think if you like Beckett, you would like her stuff. But it, it like I say, it's incredibly violent. So I started asking, um, I even asked her agency if I could produce one of her plays as a film, but they'd already sold the rights to somebody else. But I was already telling people in my club, like, can you read this? Because I would like you to be part of it. And they were like, no, I can't read this. <laughs> it's too horrible. I can't be in it. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely give it a go. I, um, it's not really my subject. Extreme violence. I, um, I, I, have, I, I do love, for example, um, uh, Wild at Heart, uh, the, the Lynch film. Oh, that's one I haven't seen. Um, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it is brilliant, but, but it hasn't become my central concern, you know, because extreme violence, I, I mean, I love, you know, uh, Italian horror films from the 70s and the 80s, uh, mm. and that was pretty extreme. Uh, but but my concern wasn't, the extreme violence aspect of it was interesting in terms of, I suppose, uh, the, the that escape, you know, that search for freedom, it was, it was, it was a way of looking pushing beyond uh but but the most interesting thing for me uh, in people like lucio fulci and and, and 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 artists like that was the the eye to me it was the whole thing about the eye and in my work you will find soon as i keep releasing more stuff and it becomes more evident that screens eyes mirrors windows this this is my central concern hmm. Uh, it all comes back from that kind of uh, post-structuralist, post-modern kind of uh, side of things. Um, reflection, uh, spontaneity, and, uh, and 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 life and representation. You know, um, but but as I said before, the thing that really pushed me and pushes me these days and really inspires me these days is within all that. Which it can become quite stale, that the whole kind of business of screens and mirrors and windows. It can become a little bit, you know, it, it's happened already. So you know, but uh, it, it's the 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 impossible. The impossible is this thing. What I love about the concept of the impossible is that I don't see how the impossible could ever run out of steam. You know. Um, it's just such a complex question, and also because it's impossible. How do, how does it end? 
It's a bit like the infinite. Sometimes when I talk about disco music, I talk about the infinite, right? And and again, it has to do with dancing. Dancing is huge for me. It's, it's a huge thing, dancing. I mean, because meditation and dancing, you know, you can see the, but, you know, you can understand why machines were so important in disco music, why the automated sequence, the machine, because dancing is a machine thing. It's it, one of the, the, the most misguided uh, ways of thinking about dancing for the dancer is to think that the dancer needs to be creative and is to find constant variations, new ways of moving. The greatest dancing of uh, of all dancing is the dancing that is mechanic, automatic, and repetitive, like a machine, like a sequencer. Mm -hmm. uh, you will find the greatest transcendence in the practice of dance when you repeat a movement, and the longer you can keep it repeating, you find difference, the most powerful, most profound difference in repetition. Repetition is key to everything. Repetition is the is 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 a great helper in, in, in solving the mysteries of time. You know repetition is the is a key to fall back in love with time, you know. Well um it's been so interesting talking to you. Um, what should listeners do? We should follow you on social media and so on to get yes. you next songs. Yeah, not because I know what I'm doing next, but uh, I mean, I, I know that I'm releasing a song in a few few weeks, eight weeks or something like that, six or weeks. But um, yes, uh, follow me. I'm finding my my uh, finding my feet uh, all the time, constantly uh, finding. Uh, finding out what, what I'm about. Uh, and at the moment, because this is a new project, it's a, it's, a, it's a very intense process of discovery. And you can follow that. And I think it's going to be interesting, you know, because I am becoming more and more honest and spontaneous in, in the way that I'm using social media. I didn't really get it, you know. I didn't, I didn't get it. What is this social media? I mean, it's a ridiculous thing if you think about it. It's in, I mean... Can I ask you a question? Oh wait, let, let let me promote let me promote the band. I should I should be professional for a second. Um, and I ask you a question in a second. I'm really interested before you go. Um, so Instagram, you can you're gonna. I'll give links. all the links. I'll give all the links. Yeah. I'll give you all the links. Instagram is where I'm doing the most stuff, but in Twitter, I just started recently. And I find that Twitter can be really cool as well because you can write very short lines and they can really kind of, because it's so short, it's much wider as a door. You know, it can open a lot more lines of flight. But uh, Instagram is cool because it's with images and, I don't know, uh, and stories. You can write longer stories. So Instagram is cool. Facebook, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm trying to figure out what to do with Facebook. It has no reach, so you're not you're talking into the you're not really reaching anyone. <laughs> I don't know what Facebook ban pages are for, but uh, I'm posting links to the music I'm listening to. So trying to do different things on different media. But the thing, you know, Instagram is important, Twitter is 
It's nice to have if you have it. And YouTube, I want to push the YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. I have a great, great dream about doing great things on YouTube, but uh, I haven't done them yet. So, but anyway, if you want to subscribe to that and wait for that to happen. And uh, the other thing I was asking people is uh, what really helps actually is if you do use Spotify, which a lot of fans do, don't, but if you do, uh, do try to follow uh, me because that means that when I release a song, it goes to your playlist or something. And that is good for the song. Anyway, I'm figuring that out at the moment, but uh, that's an important one. Anyway, why would you follow me if you better hear the music? I don't know, man. Do I mean what I, I'm what I'm doing, man? You know, and I, that go, that's going to lead nicely to the question I wanted to ask. But what I'm doing is it's always been from the heart. You know, it's like a real search for something beyond a band. You know. I tried to be a band and I, and I and I toured the world and it was really fun, but it was also a system that uh, that said no a lot and you know I should have said I don't care and I uh, I did for a while but uh, you get tired anyway. Hmm. Um, I think. Um, it's still the same thing, man. It's still from the heart, you know? And talk to Ali and you'll get the same answer, man. This is, these people, this is a community of musicians. We do very different things from each other. We do very different things. We don't always like what each other is doing or we don't think the world of what each other is doing. But we always respect it. And uh, not a lot of people are into pop music, you know? Uh, but um, but we respect the sound and we love what, what we're doing and we're all doing it from, from the heart. So it's worth pursuing because it's a real search there. We don't know where we where it's leading, and, and we don't know what we're gonna find. But it's gonna be interesting. I, that I can guarantee that. Okay. Anyway, that's my pitch for the fans there, for the new fans there. Good one. Uh, but the question is, what you said you, the first time you saw you saw us, you saw us supporting the prison. What 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 were your thoughts the first time you saw? Do you remember what was the impression you got? What the first time you saw Heartbreak? Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, I already knew you were going to be there. I'd been listening to your music before I saw you the first time, because... Why? Uh, I always loved support bands. I don't know why. I just, like, who who have I paid to see? I want to know everything about them. Um, yeah. You're alone in that club, I tell you. Very much. So, yeah, very um, much. I think that's the first time in my life I've heard anyone say that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's true. Um, so I listened to your music, and I came in and you were playing Living Just for Fun. That was the first yes. one. I liked it. And people were there to see the presets, so some people were just showed up early and they were gotten drinks, which is what they do. Um, but I think my impression of you was, first of all, you're a very charismatic performer, um, which I always found very impressive. Um, and it was great when I saw you later in front of a big audience, because a big audience of people who had come just to see you and you were a big thing, and it was awesome. But you were just determined to make... You were just. It seemed to me that you were just determined to have a great time <laughs> no matter what was happening in front of you. That's the impression I got. <laughs> I thought that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I admired that. Great. Hmm. Yeah. great. I think it worked. <laughs> you seem to be having a great time. So by the time we by the time you played We're Back, which I think was your last song, you were doing you were doing like the bullhorns to the audience stuff. You were like, yeah, like this. And dancing a bit crazy. 
it was fun because yeah. um because like you say i think you know i don't think it, you weren't well known at the time i think um if you're like whatever i'm gonna have a great time playing music so i really admired that i thought that was cool yes hmm. you only live once <laughs> okay well i hope i haven't fully disappointed you in, in person um it's been a pleasure for me i'm glad i'm very glad i might be more glad that you had a good time than that i had a good time because we were talking about like um trying to live in the moment and have a good time and everything i feel like i'm the kind of person who's so nervous that everyone else is having a nice time that i forget whether or not i'm enjoying myself so i'm glad to hear that you had a good time <laughs> well that's the, the good news about that is that perhaps you can now really look at that and work that into your horror mm. and look for freedom you know mm. we all have to we all not not that you're gonna find it mm. of course but it, but but when you identify that fear you can that's a, that's a, an opportunity to look for freedom to strive for freedom yeah. and you I, I mean it's not the only freedom that you're gonna strive for mm-hmm. but it's one of them every time you identify that and you can say that well, I love that yeah, well, the artistic one is the most important one, right? And that's why I think what you're talking about, like, I mean, I get a ton of writing rejections all the time and everything, but now I'm just like, well, at least every time I send something out, I know that I said exactly what I wanted to say. Um, and that has more value than anyone's approval. Um, the only approval that I would value is if I said exactly what I wanted to say and somebody said I like that. Not if I managed to work out what they wanted to say and said that and got that approved. Who cares? Somebody else can do that, you know? Think about that. One of the things that I want to do with Sensation uh, that I would like to do, and I really wanted to do that with Heartbreak too, and I think to some degree we did it. I want bands. I think van- bands have a very weird effect on fans. Sometimes fans will feel part of that community, but they do pay a price, which is to feel less somehow, you know? And there is a reality mm-hmm. that where the fan feels less than the artist. My goal is to be able to build a community with bands where fans can find the value, you know, mm-hmm. where they can find that that's also an opportunity to value themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't want a situation, you know, I think at the moment, I'm just starting with this, but the feeling is like, I don't want, I don't want it to be a question of power. Of course, you got to get paid because you travel, you rehearse, you put on the show, the fan is turning up and you know enjoying themselves in whichever way they want. So it is a service if you want. So the the the, the musician spends all day mm-hmm. in the venue, sound checking and so on. There's a lot of reasons why the the the, the band gets paid. Mm-hmm. It's that's okay. Uh, I think that's fine. But in terms of uh, the value, you know, I think we have a problem in the society with value, and it comes down to this capitalist bullshit, man. You know, we, we, we need to be able to find ways of providing people with a sense of value. Fans need to be, need to realize how important they are. They are essential. There's no show without fans. You know, there's, I don't know. I haven't tried the, the, the streaming show live gig thing. Must be the weirdest thing on earth. I can't even imagine how that would ever work, Mm. but maybe that's the fun part of it. But Realistically, you now once we go back to gigging, you know, yeah, man, fans are the show. 
they don't fans maybe don't realize how important what they do is to, to the show so there you go there are links in the description so you can find out more about sns sensation and all the music that sebastian is currently creating i do hope you'll check it out i think it's great i'm so glad i got to talk to him if you would like to be on the show or if you want to tell me something about it you can always do so using losing the pop podcast at gmail.com and i look forward to hearing from you that's all my chat for this episode so until next time bye bye